Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. everybody today. It's first of all, this is KT in case you thought Susie's voice was really changing. This is KT and it's December 16th and Susie's right what here. What year? What year? 2021. Well, you never know. Oh, we're 2021. We're almost to the end, everybody. But Susie's here, but I'm going to really speak during the whole podcast. She doesn't want me to answer the questions for you. Thank God. But her voice is getting a little bit better, but we're going to head to the mainland and bring her to a doctor to check out this sinus infection. She doesn't have a cold, definitely doesn't have COVID. She's just really, really stuffed with a sinus congestion. That won't go away. No. But before we go on, I just want to thank everybody. Sounds for, sexy. Uh, thank you, KG, <laughs> for all of your suggestions from um, doing the Navaj treatment, from doing pepper, from doing, uh, you know, Zykem, all kinds of things. Thank you so much that so many of you yeah, care. Thank your, you. Your remedies were, were very well received. Thank you. All right. Are we ready? Well, tell them what today is, KT. Today is December 16th. No, you're supposed to say Oh, today what, is what the ask, ask Susie and KT anything day. But maybe it should be ask KT and Susie anything since you're... you're <laughs> <laughs> how's this feel to you that you're the one who's introducing everything? I don't like being in the driver's seat. Whatever. All right, All right. Come on, Gagey. Okay, ready. First question. For Well, wait a minute. If what? you have a question for the Ask KT and Susie podcast on Thursday, just go to podcast at gmail.com. Send me your question. There you go. And if chosen, we'll do it on the podcast. Also, for those of you who write in a question... You have to listen every week because you just never know when it's going to be answered. Okay, now All let's right. start. Our first question is from Patty. I love this question. It's The subject says pay off the house, but I think it's much more than that. Are you ready, Susie? I was born it's, ready, KT. <laughs> it says, I have always admired your story, your books, and your advice. I'm 59. I have been teaching for 23 years. I'm thinking about retiring at 63. I can try to push it to 65, but I'm getting tired. Now, are you ready, everyone? I've been teaching kindergarten. <laughs> For 23 years. I love what I do, but it's getting close. 
Why are you laughing? Well, I'm laughing because I'm thinking, oh my God, to be in a kindergarten class, like what's that, five-year-olds for 23 years? Of course she's tired. Patty, you need to take a break. Maybe go. Why, 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 (laughs) why? All the kids ask is why. And Colo, who, who, you know, lives with us is Spanish. He said when his kids were that age, it was constantly, por que, por que, por que, por que. He said they would drive him crazy. Okay, T, before we even finish this. We have to tell oh, everybody. Congratulations, he did it. it. He's he married. Got married. Our boy's married. He got married. Yeah, he got married <laughs> on Monday, December 13th. Susie, should we post a, a photograph of him and Ani, his new yeah. bride? All right, go to the women. We're not going to tell him. He'll get really mad. Go to the Women and Money app. Susie will post a photograph of Colo and Annie and look at his face. He looks so happy. He looks like he was crying. So sweet. Yeah. We're very happy for both of them. And we, we went to the chapel here on the island to say a prayer and bless them. So we're very excited. But let me get back to the question. All right, Katie. Okay, this is Patty, our <laughs> kindergarten teacher of 23 years. His, here's her question. Do I continue with my 403B or pay as much as I can into the mortgage? (laughs) There you go. How old did you say she was? 60. Oh, sorry. 59. And can, and thinking about retiring at 63 or 65. Patty, it's hard for me to answer that question because number one, I don't have a voice, but truthfully, if you are going to keep that home forever, then yes, invest in the 403B up to the point of the match. And then stop contributing if you're putting in more than that and put that towards your mortgage. Now, I'm just going to say this. If you had a Roth 403B, and here you are and you've been putting all this money into a Roth 403B, And then you retire, you want to keep the house, you want to pay off the mortgage, you would be able to take out that money absolutely tax-free and just pay off your house if there was enough in there to do so. If it was a traditional 403B, you'd have to pay taxes on that money. So that's another advantage of a Roth 403B, but you don't tell me if you have a Roth 403B. So up to the point of the match, if they match, then pay off the mortgage if and only if you are going to keep this house forever. Also, if they do not match and you are going to keep this house forever and you want to have it paid off by the time you retire, stop contributing to your 403B and take that money and put it towards your mortgage. Okay, next question is not a question. It's a statement from Florence. Wait, and is it more suggestions on what I should do with my voice? No, no, but it's great. I want to share this with everyone. It said, hoping KT will pick this. And I am Florence because it's a great statement. So here you go. As per your advice in January, Susie, I bought the cheapest car that I could afford. And I think it's January this year. It was no luxury car, but it worked. About a month ago, you sent an email about selling cars. I checked my car's value on this occasion. When I got your email, I checked it again. And guess what? 
Susie, I sold my car for more money than what I paid for it new. As always, you were right about selling the car. I there you go. That. I yeah. love that. That's from Florence. But I, Florence, what are you doing for a car now? Just wondering. <laughs> All right, go, go on. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. Are you riding a bicycle? The next question is from Jack in Connecticut. Dear Susie and KT, I'm a 38-year-old single woman. Her name's actually Jacqueline. At the end of 2020, I lost my job and moved my company 401k into an IRA account. I've been living off unemployment and savings since that time. My savings has dwindled to 20000 since losing my job. I currently have 409000 in my IRA, but wondered if I should move a portion of this into a Roth IRA for emergency use. Should I do this? And if I needed to make a withdrawal, does the five-year marker for penalties apply since it would not be considered earnings? Okay, so just a reminder, she's 38 years old. Oh, so well, young. Yeah, she has so to get another young. job. What were you doing at 38? I was working so hard, and I was at the top of my game in Hong Kong. I was incredibly successful. Incredibly successful. You just see her face, everybody. She is so proud of herself. She no, is saying that. It was like a magic year for me. I don't even know what I was doing. <laughs> anyway, Jacqueline, yes, if you want to, you can convert some of this money into a Roth conversion account. But no, you cannot take it for at least five years. Now, what's important is if you do it right now, then this year, 2021, will count for one of those years. So then if you did it right now, you would be able to access that money four years from this date without any taxes or penalties. But that money that you access would only be the money that you converted and you paid taxes on. If next year you convert some more, it's five years from 2022. So it doesn't matter whether it's earnings or not. When you convert money from a 401k to a Roth IRA, you have to pay taxes on the amount of money that you converted, and you cannot touch the money that you converted until it has been in there for at least five years. This next, this is a, a, a question and a statement. And Susie, you've got to clear this up for everyone listening. Pay attention to this one. Hi, Susie and KT. This is from Eric, by the way. I was telling my mom about the Alliant Credit Union and that she should open an account because she would get more interest in the savings account than her CD. Her immediate response is that it's unsafe because it's not a national bank corporation I, uh -huh. like Bank of America or Chase. Susie, when I read this, I went, whoa, we need to really educate. Her First of all, if you're listening right now, everybody, that is not true. It's that is so not, true. not true. That is not true. All right, go on. All right. So here's what Eric's telling us. Her fear is that if the bank fails, 
how would she get her money back? In 2008, when many banks failed, like the IndyMac, people were in line at the bank and couldn't get their money. This is her concern. If something like that happened now, how would I or she get the money back? Oh my goodness, Susie, let's help help Eric with this. Yeah. You know, it's funny, everybody, and I don't know if you know this, but it was in 2008 that the FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, which insures banks, had me do a $35 million public service announcement. That's how much they spent on advertising. Me and Sheila Bear, who was chairman of the FDIC at the time, to explain to everybody how FDIC insurance worked. After that, the credit unions, when they saw that, they wanted me to do the same thing for them, and I did. So let's just do a recap right now. Banks are insured by FDIC, like I just said, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. However, credit unions are insured by NCUA the National Credit Union Administration. They work identical, up to $250,000 per account. Now, what happened at IndyMac, just so you know, the people who had more than $250,000 in their accounts, yeah, they were in trouble. But if you had $250,000 in your account or less, FDIC paid you. So you never really want to have more than $250,000 per account, whether it's in a bank or a credit union. There is a way around that. I just want to tell you that if you have an account and there are beneficiaries, then each beneficiary has a $250,000 limit as well. But please don't confuse it that just because mama says it's unsafe because all mama knows is about banks. I would feel safer with money in a credit union any day than money in a bank. Are you kidding me, Eric? Especially if that credit union was alliant. Go on. Hi, Susie. This next question is from Tarima. Hi, KT Susie. I love Sunday Susie School. Ah, ha, ha. They love just me without no, you. No, they don't. They they love you when you're giving them a lesson, but they love more when we're together. I know it. We'll do a vote on it. Okay, so I took a look at my statement. <laughs> Wait, KT, I love more when we're together. Oh, that's not, me too. So who cares what they like I always ask like to come on not. Sunday, but Sunday is like she gets super focused, everyone. She actually shuts the door. And doesn't like to be disturbed at all when she does her Sunday school. So, well, there's a lot in my head. Yeah, it, she ha- you, and you all know I just sit in front of the microphone and I just riff. Yeah, she doesn't read things. She doesn't take notes. No, nothing. It's all just, in my head. So, if somebody disturbs me, it's like, what was I? Saying? We call it local knowledge out at <laughs> sea. All right, ready. I took a look at all of my statements and double checking on my mutual funds but I don't see any symbol after the name of the fund. However, I have to tell you, KT, last Sunday school caused more commotion than ever before because I'm getting so many emails with all of you telling me 
after you heard that podcast, for the first time ever, you checked your statements. You all, many of you found out your expense ratios are too high in many cases, that you have loaded funds. Oh my God. All of you for the first time just woke up and learned about what you've been investing in for God knows how many years. That was one of the first questions you ever asked me if I had loaded mutual funds. I didn't even know what that meant. So don't feel bad, everybody. Let's let's continue because this is interesting. So when I searched the symbol of the mutual fund in Yahoo Finance, these are some of the questions I have, Susie. I still don't understand the answers. Do I assume if there's no letter A or B after the name of my mutual fund that I have a no-load mutual fund? No. Okay, wait. (laughs) For example, my fund, the Franklin Templeton Investments Mutual Global Discovery Z, Uh, uh has an expense ratio of 1.01%. All right. Okay, second question is, what does the letter C mean after the name of the fund? All right. So I guess I didn't go into quite enough detail about all these letters after your name. Let's do a small Susie school right here. If you look up your mutual fund and at the end of the name of your mutual fund, you have an I, an X, a Y, or a Z like Tarima has, those are known as institutional share class funds. What is an institutional share class fund? Usually, you need a very high minimum, sometimes $100,000 just to get in. Most of those funds, however, do not charge a load, but they do charge an expense ratio, right? So institutional share class mutual funds or institutional funds are low expense investments intended primarily for large institutions such as a pension fund or high net worth individuals. And again, these funds also typically have high minimum initial requirements and that's all you need to know. So probably, Tarima, you have a lot of money in this fund. As far as your question about what are Class C funds, remember that A shares, you pay the load up front. B shares, you pay it over a five or seven year period of time. C class shares, you pay an annual fee every single year. I don't like A, B, or C fund shares. Those are your ABCs of mutual funds. <laughs> don't touch them. However, I do want to say great. I do want to say one other thing. There are mutual funds that do have a higher expense ratio of 1%. And if that fund has been performing they've been outperforming the index funds, then sometimes it's worth paying a little bit more of an expense ratio. You just have to know, is the fund that you're paying more for in terms of an expense ratio, is that outperforming what the index funds are doing at a far lower expense ratio? In almost all circumstances, 
I just can't imagine a loaded mutual fund being worth it on any level. A, B, or C. A, B, C's. Don't touch them. (laughs) All right. Next question, Susie, is from Chuck. Hi, Susie and KT. A lot of men, KT. I know. That's why I'm kind of saving the the, the guys at the, the end, because I like these questions a lot. Thank that way, you. I just have to say something about this. I'm sure KT does not choose questions based on if you are a woman, a man, or even non-binary, right? She chooses the questions based on, is it a good question or not, period. Or, or my theme. My theme could be Roth. My theme this week, if you notice everyone, is mutual funds and ETFs, which is coming up. So I I, ch- I try to theme it more than anything. Who All right. knew? I, I, I kind of think everyone remembers more that way. All right, ready? Next one's from Chuck. Hi, Susie and KT. Thank you so very much for your wisdom and guidance you've provided over the years. I am an avid fan, and I listen to both of your podcasts every week. So now, Chuck, you're going to hear the answer to your question. I am invested in mostly all Vanguard ETFs, both in my IRA and Roth IRA. I want to rebalance out of a few Vanguard funds that are target date funds. I have about $20,000 in several funds that have a greater percentage in bonds than I would like. So do I sell all at once or is it better to sell a little at a time, like $500 a week or a month and then purchase the same amount of VTI? All right, there you go, Susie. What what should Chuck do? Yeah, Chuck. He's listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening, (laughs) Chuck. It's a little bit hard for me to totally answer this question because I don't have enough information about you and things like that. What's great, however, when you're changing investments within a retirement account, you do not have to worry about tax ramifications whatsoever. What concerns me is we currently are in a period of very high inflation. And one of the ways that the feds can combat that high inflation is hopefully raising interest rates. But They're afraid to raise interest rates. Why? Because that could absolutely affect the stock market. So therefore, if you are in mutual funds that have exposure to bonds, when interest rates go up, the value of those mutual funds go down. So you have to know that is your exposure. So if I had mutual funds that had exposure to long-term bonds. Short-term bonds are like one year, two years. Longer-term bonds are like 10, 20, 30 years. If I had a mutual fund that had exposure to long-term bonds that fluctuate more when interest rates start to go up, I wouldn't do it at $500 a week. I would just do it. Now, in terms of taking that money and putting it all into the VTI ETF, I would probably at this point not put it all into the VTI in one lump sum. I really would dollar cost average into it. So that money can just sit in within your within your retirement account, safe and sound, because 
I really want to see what happens next year. Like what's going to happen with COVID? What's going to happen with inflation? Are they going to raise interest rates? And what's going to happen to the market? So I hope that answered your question. Keep listening, Chuck. (laughs) All right. Susie, what time is it? It's quizzy time. Now, KT, only because of my voice. Want me to read it? Let me read it. All right. I want her to take a little sip of tea. Take a little sip. All right. Okay, now I'm going to read it. Oh, this is from Joe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, ready, everybody? This is your quizzy, KT. Uh, all right. But it's everybody else's quizzy as well. So let's think about how you would answer it. Okay, let me read this. This is a little bit long. I have a renewing life insurance question. Both my wife and I are 61 and are semi-retired. Our house is paid off. We do not have any debt. Good, right. Wait, for wait, you. wait. Everybody, they're 61, they're semi-retired, and they own their home outright. Outright, and no debt. And no debt. All okay. right, go on. We have about 600000 in an IRA and have one nice pension coming in. We have decent savings and both won't withdraw Social Security until the full retirement age. All right, so that for them will probably be 67. Okay. All right, so six years. All right. Now, the issue is our life insurance policies. Mm-hmm. They just said the a word that I, you don't like, life insurance. Ready? No, I don't oh, not wait, like life whole insurance. life. Ready? Right, go on. Here we go. Almost 20 years ago, both my wife and I signed up for both term and whole life policies. I know the whole life was a big mistake, but I was hoodwinked, Susie. So now- Wait each- one second before you go on. This is a very important line that KT just read from Joe. And the reason it is, you usually don't understand that you're being hoodwinked and how much whole life insurance has cost you until 10, 15, 20 years after you have been doing it. So pay and attention. And this was 20 years ago, That's everyone. Right. All right, so go so on. So each policy is $100,000. So my wife has a term policy for 100000 and a whole life policy for 100000 Yeah, And the same goes for me. Our term policies are now expiring in two years. What should we do? All right, they'll be 63 in two years. Okay, ready? Yeah. I thought when the term policy expires, we would stop the whole life at that time as well. But then do we cash out the whole life and reinvest that amount and then just start a new 10-year term or no insurance at all? Since we're not replacing the cost of the home or working salaries anymore. However, we would like to have some insurance to leave for our daughter. Thanks for listening. So the quizzy is what's the question, Susie? Want me to say what I think they should yeah. do? No, I want you to repeat to everybody, what is the question? Okay, so here's the what should we do? When the term policy expires. That's when they're 63, everybody. Do we stop the whole life insurance at that time as well? Then do we cash out whole life, reinvest that amount and just start a new 10-year term, or no insurance at all. All right, so the quiz is KT. Which one of those two should they do? Should they just, in two years, forget their whole life 
and their term? Or at the age of 63, should they cash out their whole life and use that money to buy another 10 years of term? Here's what I would do. Based on what you've taught me about whole life, they don't need the whole life. They don't need to keep putting money into that at all right now. Get rid of the whole life today. I'm so proud of you. I can't even stand it. Yeah, go on. Get rid of the whole life right now, Joe. I would keep the term for the two years. It's going to expire in two years and it should probably be very little, but boy, what a great. You know, you know. I mean, that's what does peace that mean? It should be little, very little. The, the term policy for a hundred thousand that they each have will expire in two years. I would keep those policies because yes. they expire in two years, and then after that, I wouldn't get any insurance. There you go. <laughs> am Is I, that am how I, all of you? Am would I right? Answer? Well, first, you're, wait, today wait. you're going to cancel the whole life. You don't need right, it. So that's ding, 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 ding. Stop paying into that. And don't reinvest that money at all. Keep the term till it's finished in two years, only two years. All right. So that could be ding, 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 ding. But that could also be eh. Because, all right, let me take over here. Joe. Since you know that you've been hoodwinked into this policy, this whole life policy. Two of them, both both him and his wife. What are you waiting for? Yeah, get rid of it. If I were you, I would cancel them right here and now and take that money and start a fund for your daughter since you want to leave your daughter money. Now, if you want to leave your daughter something and you're doing it via the way of insurance, if you want to get another term policy, don't wait till you're 63 to renew. You could renew right now for 10 years. You know, you would be 71, but it's going to be a little bit expensive. And chances are, when you're 71, if you're healthy right now, it's going to expire and all that money will have been wasted. So I would not be waiting to, number one, cancel the whole life. I would do it immediately. In terms of renewing in two years, if you really think you want to renew to leave your daughter something, even though probably you're not going to be leaving her anything when it comes to insurance, because you're not going to be dead in 10 years, most likely, then okay, do it now. Don't wait till you're 63 because it will be that much more expensive. However, I wouldn't be renewing the term insurance policy either if I were you. You want to leave your daughter something, start taking the amount of money that you were investing in these insurance policies and put it away for her invested for her, you still have a good 20 or 30 years to live. And you would probably over 30 years, depending how much money you put in every single month for her, probably leave her $100,000. That's what I would be doing if I were you. That makes sense, Katie? Yes, I like that. All right, we made it through. I think my voice is sounding better now. <laughs> Finally, at the end, it's oiled up. <laughs> Does it really sound horrible? Well, I think that everybody keeps, instead of them commenting on your advice, they're commenting on on remedies. I I know. 
But just so you know, I feel okay. She looks a lot better. And yeah. she's been exercising and, and really eating well. She had no appetite for weeks. Yeah, I lost a lot of weight. But she's <laughs> filling out again, everybody. <laughs> nice. And the great news is, because I know a lot of you are interested in my recovery, my arm is getting better day by day. Right, Katie? Day by day. Oh, here she goes. Da, 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 da. Oh, dear Lord. Da, da, da. To thee I pray. What was that song from? from oh, yeah. I love day that song. Day. Look, it That's gave me great, goosebumps. I'm singing to you day by day. <laughs> right. So day by day, we hope that you are getting educated about your money. We hope you're getting educated about really psychologically how you deal with your money. And we hope that this podcast, which is really the main purpose of this podcast, day by day, that you are getting safer, stronger, and most of all, secure. secure. See you Sunday. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye-bye now. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.